From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Hello and welcome to the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk Radio. Thank you so much for the wonderful response to our first show yesterday. The chat was fit to busting. Absolutely wonderful to see it. You can always contact me at Sonia Poulton at tntradio.live. One such email this morning comes from Mark Porritt, who has given me permission to use his full name. Mark is a keen observer of unusual happenings, and he shares them with me frequently, for which I am eternally grateful. Mark has noticed something of a pattern, very sadly, of women being found dead in rivers in England. Now, many of you will have heard the story of Nicola Bully, a mother from North England, who was found in the River Wire in February 2023. It made headlines worldwide. Well, since then, there have been a number of women, primarily middle-aged women, who have also been found dead in waters in the UK. And Mark pointed out to me the most recent one being a lady by the name of Kim Wilde. And Mark wrote, I immediately thought of Kim Wilde, the pop singer from the 1980s. These women who end up in bodies of water always seem to be of a mature age as well, which adds to the enigma. This is a strange phenomenon, Sonia. It really is. Well, it is interesting. Obviously, there is an issue of um, cold water shock, and that is a known phenomenon that does happen. But but uh, as a journalist, I'm always looking for patterns, and uh, as indeed is Mark, you can always contact me with any of your usual or unusual observations they are always welcome now let me go have a look in the chat see who is with us this morning good morning i i was thinking this too sonia very bizarre says trudy hello to you all obviously wherever you're watching us from around the world it's not necessarily morning it could be good morning good evening or good night either way you are absolutely welcome to be here and we are delighted to have you um, uh, what's that? Good morning, Drumstick. How lovely to see some old timers from here. They're talking about a previous breakfast show that I used to do, and it's absolutely wonderful to welcome old and new people alike. I'm very grateful to have them all. Hello there, Freckles. Wonderful to see you. And uh, oh, Charlotte, the lovely Charlotte, producer of this show. Where would I be without her? And uh, Craig, of course, is busy writing jokes as ever. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful to see them. So one story that I absolutely intend to cover this week, and in fact, I wanted to cover yesterday, because I think it's most curious, is this whole issue of New York tunnels, and in particular, under the Jewish Shabbat movement in Brooklyn, New York. And each day, something more apparently disturbing seems to emerge regarding this issue. So by the end of the week, I will hopefully have done the full research that I need to do in order to be able to cover it. What are you saying there in the chat? Yes, 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 absolutely. But how lovely. Yes, wonderful, truly wonderful. These are so-called extremist students from an ultra-Orthodox Hasidic group. And they were said to have secretly hired migrant labourers to help them build this, what is now clearly a very controversial tunnel at uh, the Sex World Headquarters in Crown Heights. And there have been, I believe, up to date, nine of these students have been charged. Yes, Peter, Peter there was a child's high chair found, uh, a soiled mattress. And 
It is really important. There are actually whistleblowers from this community, Rabbi Rosenberg, who believes that around half of young males in Brooklyn's Hasidic community have been victims of sexual assault perpetrated by their elders. And uh, many people are very concerned when it looks as if there may be, you know, a religious angle to any forms of sexual assault. But the whole point about this show is we will go wherever the story leads us. There are no taboos around here, as you will discover when we discuss when we discuss later the Rochdale report, which again has a cultural angle attached to it. Very important that these issues are covered. Good morning, Armand. Absolutely wonderful. What's this, Jethro? Down the rabbi hole, eh? So early for jokes. Um, but uh, as I say, wonderful to hear from you. Please keep uh, contacting me. Your stories matter, matter very, very much. Right. Um, we will be back shortly with uh, Gemma Cooper. Let's go to a quick break. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello there, Gemma. Good to see you this morning. Yes, and well done on your first show yesterday, Sonia. Yeah, it generated a wonderful response, and it's great to have you on board. And you've come back for day two. That's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yes, it hung in the balance. No, not at all. I I so enjoyed yesterday and and talking with you because you're you're you know you're very knowledgeable. You absolutely know what you're talking about. So that's always a joy from one journalist to another. So you are going to be discussing with us today the issue of excess deaths, correct? Yeah, I mean, Sonia, it's the biggest elephant in the smallest room, isn't it? Not just in this country, but globally. In fact, the World Council for Health, they did a debate on in their newsroom last night with an expert from Asia talking about the trends of excess deaths there uh, ahead of the story this morning. The debate, the Westminster Hall parliamentary debate, which will be held at 9.30 UK time. Uh, it's the second uh, parliamentary debate that's been called on excess deaths, trends in excess deaths. The first was Friday, the 20th of October last year. It was on a Friday afternoon, but you have to get what you're given when you call, you ask for a debate. You get what Parliament gives you. Um, it was an adjournment debate, which meant no votes were cast or anything like that. But the good thing about all debates that happen within the Houses of Parliament is, of course, what's said in those debates goes on Hansard. It goes on public record. It becomes a matter of history. And we've just seen the big uh, docudrama here in the UK about the post office scandal, where warnings were issued for years about flaws in the system. I think in 20 years time, we'll be seeing docudramas about vaccine injury, vaccine damage, and vaccine death, which is the issue that nobody wants to talk about when it comes to excess deaths, the link between excess deaths, which the figures show are undisputable. We have got excess deaths in this country. We've got excess, excess deaths globally, but nobody wants to talk about the link between excess deaths and the jab. Now, interestingly enough, last week, the COVID inquiry did announce that it was dropping phase three, which was due to be held in the summer. It's being postponed. Well, that phase of the UK COVID inquiry was to talk about the vaccine rollout, vaccine safety, vaccine harm, hmm. and, the and the relationship between vaccines and heart issues. And I don't know if you managed to catch the Freeman report with James Freeman yesterday here on T. Did you see it? TNT, Dr. Asim Malhotra, uh, the cardiologist, said he's spoken with two former Tory MPs who have said that Parliament acknowledges the link between the jabs and excess deaths, which is the reason why the COVID inquiry has postponed 
this section of it because there's going to be a general election. And he said privately behind closed doors, they realize that this is an issue that can bring the government down completely at a time when the Conservative Party reputation is at an all time low. Now, you and I are from legacy media. And the reason this debate today is so important is it does go on Hansard. It is a matter of public record. And the legacy media that was screaming that one death from COVID is a death too many will not go near this issue. They will not go near this issue. They never will. They won't touch it. So the more we can just get these debates in Parliament, the more we can get people in the public gallery, the more we can get people there, you know, tweeting what was said, get people to look at Hansard, get people to look at the evidence. I do know that more MPs today will be attending this debate that they did on the Friday, the 20th last year, 20th of October last year. So we have got more MPs now at least willing to look at the issue. And I think that's because they're being pushed by their constituents to look at the issue because we've all got a story of someone we know that took the jab through coercion, through bullying, through fear, and had adverse reactions. I personally know of a wonderful 46-year-old man in my local community dropped down dead after his second AstraZeneca, which was then withdrawn not long after that. So we've all got a story. We all know someone. Let's hope we get a result today from this debate, which starts in uh, just over two hours' time. Indeed. We actually do need more MPs to stand up and be counted, though, don't we? I'm currently in talks with an ex-policeman who was arrested and is currently on bail simply for sending emails to his local MP about why wasn't he attending these debates, which is fairly outrageous, isn't it? What What is this? So is this some kind of complicity taking place here, Gemma? Oh, well, I didn't think a word is complicity. <laughs> I don't think the word's complicity. It's the other C word, isn't it? The conspiracy C word that we, you know, we're all called nutters for, for, for even raising issues like this. But the trouble is now the evidence is literally staring at people in the face in terms of lived experience. I know so many people. I know one guy, I've told this story many times on TNT, but a really amazing guy I went to school with, full of life, the right character, you know, life and soul. He was always getting told off at school. Um, he's now in a wheelchair after taking his three experimental injections. And he's adamant, he's adamant. He says, Jem, I know it was that bloody jab. And he's been in hospital for test after test after test. And they, oh, we don't know what's wrong with you. Sorry, we don't know what's wrong with you. We just can't find what's wrong with you. And he knows it and he's absolutely devastated. It's ruined his life. But a lot of people have got stories like that. So I think now people are really aware this issue can't be um, ignored. It's not, it's vaccine injury and it's vaccine, it's vaccine death. And, and that's yes. why the COVID inquiry has dropped it. That's third phase. They know it's such a hot potato and they know that the evidence that was going to be given by people there, UKCV family, us for them, they were all scheduled right. to be witnesses. Um, they've dropped the whole lot. I don't think that phase of the inquiry will ever make the table, actually, personally now. I think they'll just push I don't it forward, think so. kick it down the road. We'll never hear the real truth of the inquiry. Not that we've ever heard much truth coming out of it anyway. Right, exactly. Well, let's look at some of the figures that the government have been prepared to acknowledge. I'm just looking at some of their tables. For the most recent quarter ending September 2023, they say that the number of deaths in England and Wales was 2.1% above the five-year average. Um, And uh, so, but that is what they've been prepared to admit. But I, I suspect that's just the tip of the iceberg. What do you think? I completely agree. I was just going to talk to you about that. I was going to say, of course, the excess deaths that we know about are the official figures, but there's people that will be dying that the correlation won't be made. You know, if somebody's older and has underlying health conditions anyway, they'll attribute it to that, the underlying health conditions, not the fact that those might have been exacerbated by the jab. Interestingly, I had a quick look at the British Heart Foundation's website, and they have said, they've admitted even that since the start of 2020, there have been 100,000 excess deaths related to heart 
disease and heart issues. And even on their website, they're like, we must look at this troubling issue. Well, go on wow. then, really look at it. Go right. and look at it. Go and look right. at it. You know, but well, that, the problem that- is a lot of these charities are compromised. They were compromised through COVID, weren't they? Absolutely compromised. Yeah. And of, and, and of course, the thing is, once you look at this issue properly, which is down now to us as new media to do, and, once, and, and MPs that are now calling for debates and attending debates, once you open this issue properly and you people really look at the truth of it, your, your kind of belief system about putting your trust in authorities comes crashing down. And people don't want to do that because to have your belief system dismantled is a very painful Indeed. process. And people, it's a challenge for people to think that our authorities and those in charge of us don't have our best interests at heart. Many, many people realize that now. It's a painful process to go through that and look at the life you led and realize, hang on, I've been taken for a fool here. Um, And it's also very, very, very upsetting when you realize that your loved one has died as a result of, you know, criminal malpractice by the pharmaceutical companies and our governments. It's a horrible, horrible place to be. It absolutely is. And of course, we're just talking about excess deaths that we believe are linked to the jab. But what about the excess deaths that occurred in terms of suicide and people dying as a consequence of lockdown? I know there's at least one lady in our chat today whose son um, took his life during lockdown. And there is absolutely no doubt in her mind that there is a correlation. What do you think about that? Yeah, of course, absolutely. And people not going to hospital because they would have the fear right. of God put in them. People, you know, too late for a diagnosis of a terminal illness. All of those things related to directly what is now, you know, four years ago, you know, the world went mad uh, and, and 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 a culture of fear installed on all of us. And this is now the, the, the end result. This is the legacy of that, those, those actions and people just being, not everybody being completely frightened into compliance. Certainly people like you and me weren't and certainly uh, our listeners and viewers at TNC and weren't but many people were and uh, and that's just looking at that in itself you know putting fear in people and the loss of life all round so let's just hope that at 9 30 today in Westminster Hall in the UK Houses of Parliament we get a decent turnout we get more MPs who are now pressured by their constituents to do their job and represent us and we see some action coming out of this um, and you know let's hope as well that people see that the COVID inquiry dropping the third phase the most important phase you know vaccine rollout and vaccine safety they can see that for what it is a political move designed to see us from ever getting to the truth I completely agree with you and I just want to ask you this uh, your opinion on this do you think this is all this also has sort of repercussions in terms of people taking other vaccinations uh in terms of a hesitancy I think so. Yeah, I think vaccine hesitancy now, uh, given people's personal experience, I think, yes, probably is uh, at an all time high. It's something I would have to look at. I mean, personally, myself, I have had vaccines in the past and I won't. I will be very, very, very. Well, I won't again. I won't. It's as simple as that. I've learned a lot about health and the human body over the last few years, just like a lot of other people have. And and this has been a wake up call for me. Um, So personally, on a personal level, I'm vaccine hesitant. So I can't I can imagine there must be thousands, hundreds of thousands of millions who now say never again. I'll never have something stuck in me again. I hear you. Thank you so much, Gemma. I will see you tomorrow and we'll be right back after this short break on News Talk, on today's News Talk. TNT's Darren Denslow. Yeah, I'm talking about the illness. Actually, that has done, has been doing the rhymes. Not have we only seen a, uh, a mass influx of people waving their COVID tests online. Look, I got a red line. It's like, oh my God, people are still testing. Or people, you know, trying to encourage others to wear their masks. 
Um, but there has been a talk of a dry cough. There have been doctors coming out, and we've seen loads of cases of that. Uh, have you been suffering from, you know, a bit of cough and flu or cold or COVID? Well, Darren, I, COVID. I, I just, I just did my eighth test. Oh, and okay. um, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get lines and lines. Why? Well, because work's coming back up, isn't it? Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is gonna be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. The human mind is like a computer, no matter how efficient it may be. Its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. Welcome back to today's News Talk, and I am delighted to be joined by broadcaster, podcaster, radio presenter, Nick Marjorison. Good morning, Nick. How are you doing? Morning, Sonia. I'm in good spirits this morning. How are you? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, equally in good spirits. Although we have some somewhat bleak at times uh, discussions to be had this morning. One, of course, what the, which we're going to start with is to do with the Rochdale report. Now, this is a big controversy in the UK. It's been it's the issue has been of so-called grooming gangs. These are gangs that are predominantly Muslim and Pakistani men raping girls. Maggie Oliver, the detective who was very much involved in uncovering this, who worked um, previously for Greater Manchester Police, and was forced to leave the police because of the cover-up that is taking place. Maggie will be joining us next week on the Sonia Poulton show. But Nick and I are going to discuss this review. So, Nick, let's have a look at some of these findings. 173-page um, review commissioned by Mayor Andy Burnham. It covers the period from 2004 to 2013. They've identified at least 96 individuals, which I suspect is merely the tip of a very large iceberg, who could still pose a risk to children, most not prosecuted. What are your thoughts on this review, Nick? Well, yeah, for anyone outside of the UK, this is 
an incredibly strange story, I believe, as someone who lives here, in that the evidence is abundant that we have a serious problem with grooming gangs here in the UK. This report comes uh, alongside a bunch of other reports around the UK, mainly in the north of England. You have one uh, in Telford. There was a report, a three-year inquiry there into the scandal in, in July 2022 that was out. We revealed more than a 1,000 girls had been abused over a 40-year period. And again, these might, some people would say, were conservative numbers, to be honest. And the agencies that blamed them for abuse and the abuse that they uh, suffered, well, they literally did that. The agencies didn't help. They thought it was the girl's fault. And the perpetrators themselves were sometimes not even investigated because of nervousness around race. And I'm quoting there from the report. Then before that, we had Rotherham, uh, October 2013, Rotherham, council commissioner report into it professor alexis j did that it's called the j report it's findable online and of the reports it's one of the easier reports to read in terms of just you know getting the information across um that caused a huge stir at the time in that it had a lot of reaction to it an estimated 1400 children again a conservative estimate had been sexually exploited in rotherham between 1997 and 2013 and according to the report, children as young as 11, raped by multiple perpetrators, uh, adopted, trafficked to other cities in England and beaten and intimidated. Now, a lot of this involves organised crime. And for that reason, uh, reporting on it is sometimes tepid. Uh, but also it involves, as you pointed out, mainly Asian men, uh, Muslim men. And that also uh, makes it difficult for people to talk about because it's something that's been grabbed by well, grabbed it's been reported upon by the far right, right and it's it could not be a more toxic issue and yet that one of the reasons that it's so important is we're at the point now where something got to be done it's got to be a sensible uh, route forward uh, it's not got to be a solution that comes i don't believe from extreme points of view but equally it can't be the sort of cowardly responses that we've seen here in the uk 96 people as you mentioned in this report 96 people identified as a potential risk to children only a proportion of the numbers involved in the abuse in rochdale and yet no far as i can see clear plan as to what happens about this so andy burnham the guy who commissioned the report like you say mayor of greater manchester he's saying it's hard to read and uh, you know he feels everyone's anger but I think there's a, a feeling amongst the people that I speak to about this online that something should be done. But then there's a feeling away from the Internet that it's probably best swept under the carpet. People don't seem to want to talk about it. And I've not heard anyone talking in that in terms of action. Well, it, in it terms has of what we to be do. tackled, doesn't it? It has to be tackled. Absolutely. Andy Burnham, as we say, is the mayor of Manchester. And at the press conference, he kept referring to the victims as young women. These were children. Yeah. These were girls. We need to. And the thing is, we need to be able to name things, what they are in order to be able to tackle them. And so there was a, a report also commissioned by the Home Office, and they wanted to look into whether there was actually uh, a 
any evidence to support the ethnicity of the so-called grooming gangs. And there was a, as you as you mentioned, Professor Jay's independent review in 2014, but there was also the Home Office study, and there, the data is available from 2020. And uh, let me read you some of the conclusions. It um, it found that the academic literature highlights significant limitations to what can be said about links between ethnicity and this form of offending. And research has found that group-based child sexual exploitation offenders are most commonly white, but that is because we live in a country which is predominantly white, presumably. And also some studies suggest an over-representation of black and Asian offenders relative to the demographics of national populations. So it, it works in both ways, doesn't it? it, it the, the fact is, is that this is clearly a demographic and it is it is the political correctness that has allowed these 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 abuses to continue. And Maggie Oliver was really clear at the press conference yesterday, and she said, "We're looking at historic issues, but these things are still going on." And she runs the Maggie Oliver Foundation. As I say, she'll be joining us next week, and she'll be talking more about that. But she said she's currently dealing with over three hundred girls who are still being abused and ignored by the police. Nick, this is a widespread issue. Let me ask you this, because people do ask this. And because we are a show that will tackle the stuff that is supposedly taboo, do you believe that not only is there an element of this being culturally difficult, but there may be an element of Freemasonry surrounding this? You? Um, I, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I right. like to uh, throw yeah, them in there. Why not? Um, I mean, because you, you'll never yeah. see this uh, asked on uh, morning TV, will you? So why let us ask it? I'm not claiming to have the answer to it, but it's a question that people frequently ask me because certainly in the work that I've done, my film Pedophiles in Parliament, for example, there were elements absolutely of Freemasonry where girls were having difficult, girls and boys actually, were having difficulty reporting to local police because they were protecting lords and politicians in their midst so i'm just i'm just wondering whether there is that element to it well i that may well be the case but uh, what i recall particularly from the j report which i mentioned as one of the more, one of the more readable reports is that they talk Actually, about Nick, individual I, I apologize nick let me just quickly park you there let's go quickly to some news headlines and we can come back and really go for this tnt radio news Big news! Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Donald Trump has secured his first victory in the race for the White House after winning Iowa's caucuses in a landslide vote. Vivek Ramaswamy has pulled out of the race and endorsed the ex-commander-in-chief for president. It's been revealed China is experimenting with a new deadly coronavirus that's already proven to be 100% fatal in mice. And Apple has been dethroned as the world's most valuable company. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Welcome back to the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk. I'm here today with Nick Marjorie-san, and we are just discussing the absolutely abhorrent situation of so-called grooming gangs. Nick, you were just going to refer to the Alexis J report again. Yeah, that's right. So what I was going to say is that it's incredibly readable. And to your listeners, I recommend that they have a look at that. It's downloadable as a PDF, like I say. It reads like 
you know, a copy of the Daily Mail or something like that. It's very easy to read. And in that, it explains um, some of the characters and ca some of the people who were responsible for this grooming gang scandal that yet were not brought to justice. So what happens is um, you mentioned Freemasonry before, and, and that may be the case. It's not something I'm, I'm across. But what I think sometimes happens with these things is that people hide behind the mask of a group identity. Whereas, yes. as you were saying before, these are human beings. These are pretty simple morally cases. Uh, you know, we're talking about one of the worst crimes imaginable being carried out by adults on, on on young children and we know who these people are and we know how it's happened and hiding behind the identity of oh the freemasons did it or oh the muslims did it or whatever is not helpful the bottom line is there are victims they've had terrible things done to them and people right. need to be arrested we don't need to be reading reports about what's happened and why it didn't you know we what we want to see what i want to see personally are people being arrested and thrown in jail for a long long time i don't really feel that we're well served by um attributing motives to this that go beyond you're a pervert and you belong in jail understood and you know the other thing is which you actually referred to and that is the sort of the demographic of the victims and it is interesting because obviously in with a story like this you will always get racist latch onto it okay there's no doubt about it as you referred to earlier but there's one demographic which goes routinely unreported in this issue and that is young asian girls who are also part of being groomed and abused by these gangs because what we hear often are the young working class white girls and so that then that adds to the narrative doesn't it of asian men or muslim men versus young working class disenfranchised white girls but as i say there are many asian girls who have been abused but the difference is a lot of these asian girls they're so shamed by it not to say that the white girls aren't shamed by it but it's a different type of shame that they don't even dare mention it so it's, you know, I think mm. there's lots of interesting elements to it. Yeah. Uh, like I say, for me, I really feel the time for explanations and, uh, you know, think pieces in newspapers and so on has, has got to come to an end. And we've got to start focusing on, well, then, you know, in a legal sense, we've got to focus on the gnarly, unpleasant aspect of someone's yes. had something horrible done to them. And the descriptions are there. The evidence is there. The detail is there. Um why it's happening i'm less interested in as opposed to it should stop happening and it stops happening by the police arresting people i don't understand why like i say 96 people have been identified as a danger to children right. conservative numbers in this rochdale report okay well don't we ring the police then and go and arrest the guys and very curious to me it's a very very strange story and that you mention um other groups being involved in it it's very interesting it's not something i'd heard it's something i'll look into uh, thank you so talking about scandals of course one scandal that took again decades to unravel was of course the post office scandal and we've seen a great deal about that and it was actually eventually thanks to a docudrama on british tv that the wider much wider public have become aware of what was going on at the post office and that was um, thousands of sub postmasters were accused of fraud. Some were convicted. Some took their lives. Absolutely horrendous stuff. And uh, the so the controversy is continuing to echo throughout the weeks on this. What's your take on this, Nick? Well, I 
in part find this to be a, a, an interesting story in the sense that, like you say, it's been exposed by a docudrama. I love a good docudrama. And Me I think too. that the power, well, the power of it is is something to behold. And I wonder if people are aware of, I think the first one, was, there was one called Kathy Come Home in the 60s. Now, I didn't see oh. it, but it was about homelessness and it changed the way that people thought about homelessness. It Ken humanized Roach. the people involved. That's right. And it, I think 1960s, it must have been 66, something like that, uh, that, that came out. But then there's one for my generation, Boys from the Black Stuff which is an absolutely brilliant uh, docudrama again. Uh, it's a fictionalised account, uh, so it's it not based job. on a true... Yeah, it's not based on a true story, but it's based on true stories that were happening to people at the time. And, uh, yeah, just not having any money, not fa facing um, poverty, basically, because of people being laid off during the Thatcher era in the, in, in the 80s. And so I'm wanting to congratulate these people, and I highly recommend... Everybody who's watching you at the moment, when they've got a bit of spare time, they pop on uh, this TV show made by ITV as well, which is our commercial broadcaster. So I always feel kind of pleased when the commercial world can deliver something, which, frankly, the BBC should have done. But yes. I mean, they dabbled in a docudrama recently and they did. Uh, they had a look at Jimmy Savile, I think. Was that a BBC production? Maybe. maybe. Yes, I, I had lots of criticisms about that. I felt that they were they had. Uh, um, sort of sanitised their role in it, really, which often happens, doesn't it? There's also criticisms about the ITV drama because it misses out the former head of ITV studios who was also overseeing the post office at the time yeah. much of this scandal took place. So I think oftentimes this is an opportunity for broadcasters to give their spin on it, right? But but it mm. is still public interest TV, not to take away from it. I found it absolutely compelling, I have to say. And I'd just like to say good morning, Queen, on Twitter, who uh, X now, of course, who pointed out to me that Fujitsu, uh, Fujitsu is who, who is at the heart of the scandal with their yeah. faulty Horizon IT system. They've obviously won numerous government contracts ever since. In fact, 150. And uh, Queen pointed out to me that they are currently overseeing the contracts to do with asylum seekers. What could possibly go wrong, Nick? Wow, she's great. Whoever's told us that, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, the. The thing with Fujitsu is what happens in the, uh, I don't think I'm giving too much away if I explain that in the, in the docudrama, there's a scene where one of the characters goes into their office and it's the sort of head office. And <laughs> everyone's confused that their money's not adding up in the different post office places that they work. And they've all been told that there's no way you can get into that computer system from anywhere else. So it must be your fault. You're the one who's made the error. And then there's this moment when it's revealed that, oh, no, you can just, access anyone's account from this room it's not a problem that was so real life to me sonia i don't know about you but i've seen numerous things where you go oh you can read everyone's direct messages can you yeah no problem they're direct they're not private and so on uh you know <laughs> and i was i was absolutely blown away by that moment because it struck home so hard and we now live in a world where computer says no can be devastating news and, and right. it may end up in, in you wanting to end end your life right. it's that that powerful computer says no and we used to have a comedy program called little britain where in these little sketch it was a sketch show and in in these sketches you'd have this character who would say computer says no it was kind of funny there was like a hapless fool behind a desk with a computer saying oh, i can't do that well it's a horror story now and that's what happens to people you have computer says no digits on a screen this is how it's working and there seems to be no no test in reality for a lot of this 
stuff, the sort of new digital tyrannies that we have. There's no Absolutely. way you can measure anything against it or hold them to account at all. Right, faceless. They're in charge, you're not. Exactly. They're in charge, you're not. They've got data on their side and they've got numbers here and, you know, they've got systems and so on. And you're not allowed to know how the systems work. And if you ask, they'll lie to you. And <laughs> it makes me hope that... Um, people are going to get a bit more human. You know, I like to be optimistic and positive. And I, I kind of feel with the post office drama here in the UK, it's the first time since lockdown and perhaps since before lockdown for quite a while that I've really felt that something's going to be done. You know, well, that is a, a the perfect note to end on. I, I have to end there, Nick, unfortunately, but I think that's a fantastically opted, optimistic note. Thank you, Nick Marjorie, for joining me this morning. Let's go to a short break and I will be back with you shortly. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. Thank you! Thank you! To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Live from London, you're with Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. And hello to you there. Welcome back to the Sonia Poulton Show. On today's New Talk, I'm delighted to be joined by David Nolan of Stop Common Pass. And David came to my attention during COVID because he was this incredible voice standing up with brilliant data, brilliant evidence regarding the whole issue of the COVID pass and resisting it. Hello, David. Thank you for joining us this morning. Great to have you with us. Hello, Sonia. It's great to be back with you on TNT and congratulations on your new breakfast slot. It's absolutely fantastic you're here. And then after your show, we have Double Bubble with Wonderful. Abby Roberts on TNT. So how about that? Monday to Friday. Love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much for that. David, let's talk, first of all, a bit about your work, because I want to get around to something that happened to me personally a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago, of which you became involved, very gratefully so from, from my part. But let's talk about what you were doing regarding the COVID pass. Give our, our viewers an idea of what that was all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll give a very brief summation of that, Sonia. Um, basically, Stop Common Pass was set up in uh, October 2020 because we, in a way, I guess you could say we saw what was incoming uh, throughout 2021 and 2022 with uh, with digital health passes. 
um, more commonly known as vaccine passports uh, internationally. And in October 2020, we said to ourselves, look, you know, they're going to use this whole thing with uh, with yellow fever. Um, you know, to conflate, to justify um, the existence of these uh, of these COVID passes, these vaccine passports, and the main objective of them, Sonia, of course, the super objective uh, was not to be used as uh, some sort of workable NPI or non-pharmaceutical uh, intervention. They were absolutely useless. And we've known this since actually around October 2020 when Peter Doshi in the British Medical Journal, the BMI, came out um, and cited a particular study and said that uh, these vaccine or gene therapy products adapted to traditional vaccination, um, they were neither tested nor designed to prevent or indeed slow the stop uh, to beg your pardon to uh, to slow uh, or or indeed stop the transmission of the SARS-CoV-2 virus and its variants. So um, it, it, this was absolutely untenable for uh, for vaccine passports or the COVID pass um, to exist. Um, but uh, but however, this continued to roll out throughout uh, 2021 and 2022. And of course, the, the main super objective of them was to get as many of these COVID jabs into people's arms as possible. It didn't work well for all of us, but for quite a few uh, people internationally, it did. And uh, and it worked with or without, and I'm going to pop this in, it's on a different topic we can get into another time. This worked with or without the presence of the International Health Regulations 2005 either. And all of this only really started to calm down around the second quarter of uh, 2022, leading us to um, uh, May of 2023, when the World Health Organization decided to call time on COVID-19 being a PHEIC, a public health emergency of international concern. And then we had a massive wind down of these uh, COVID passes internationally. I mean, it's very interesting, isn't it? Obviously, we've got the World Economic Forum in Davos this week, but these COVID passports are all about a digital ID. And a digital ID is, there's so much attached to it, isn't there? There's, you know, the issues, as you you refer to, the issues of healthcare, the issues of social platforms, our financial services, our food and sustainability. So this was not just a, a a solo issue, was it? Not at all. This was something that was extensive and wide and you were there right at the forefront resisting it your work i thought was absolutely remarkable david thank you very much yeah well that's that's the thing sonia i know you know you want to get into and um, the topic of uh, of bmac or buy me a coffee and, and what happened to you and kind of how i stood up there but this kind of segues us you know into the point of coming together um standing together and doing something um because if you're an individual you know you've got a phone you've got a laptop you've got a decent internet connection you have perseverance you got your finger on the pulse and most importantly sonia you've got a fire in your belly you're not happy with it with what is going on um uh in your particular country or indeed internationally you've got to understand no matter who you are where you're from now look i understand 
that um, this is not within everyone's capability due to their personal situation. But what I want to highlight is, is that, look, if I can do it, a lot of people out there can also follow similar, especially um, with the challenges that we have ahead of us in the um, in the in, in the years to come. Um, Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yes. It's about standing up and being counted, isn't it? So let mm. us let us talk about that in case anybody isn't aware, because I do think it's an important topic to discuss. And I have heard other people discuss it and say much more should have actually been made about it. And that is Buy Me A Coffee, which is a, a, a platform that where people can donate, buy a coffee um, to creators or journalists or filmmakers or whomever, people who are creating content in one form or another, and they can donate to them. And I suddenly was, I was sent a, 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 a message from Buy Me A Coffee because I had an account telling me that they were, were suspending me and then banning me. They said they would be returning my donations to the donators, which apparently only happens in cases of fraud. And they said it was because I had questioned the C-19 jab being given to pregnant women. Well, of course, David, what then happened was this incredible support and backlash that took place. Thank you, everybody. I saw people closing their accounts and you were one of the people who stood up. You were being counted. And then what was interesting, of course, in no time at all, buy me a coffee, came back. They said, oh, we're so sorry. There's been an error. The CEO contacted me directly, David. And uh, one or two people questioned. But I, I said, look, that's it for me. It's over. I can't trust you again. But to me, I saw it as a mission creep. Because for me, it was this week, I can't talk about pregnant women taking having jabs next week i won't be able to talk about child abuse or contaminated blood or whatever what was your perspective on it well there's a couple of things um about this sonia the first thing most importantly is is that this particular platform i was i was quite shocked um i did believe that they were one of the outliers with regards to um how they treated people um in general they seem to be kind of quite fair in their approach and i'm sure that was your opinion um before you decided to you know to implicate yourself to register with this particular platform um another thing uh you know on reflection is that they did not deal with your situation well at all no. um it's hard enough out there when you're either you know uh, an independent and investigative journalist like yourself or indeed you're like myself at scp and so many other groups out there you're this type of uh, quite small grassroots organization you know you're not on the payroll of some legacy media uh, corporation you're not some sort of you know careerist uh, like that so there's kind of it's very difficult to garnish and to raise support for yourself to uh, to right. keep on doing what you are great at um at, at doing so no they, they didn't handle this uh well at all and it was really important that we took the stand that we did we had to come together and we had to we had to show our teeth um as wide as we could and say look you can't let this happen there has to be better processes in place um, to deal with something which was quite unique in your case. Um, you know, you were undergoing duress, um, you know, in particular targeted uh, harassment. And we cannot have moderators of this platform, of, of this platform and other platforms like it, who will jump the shark. They will take some sort of knee jerk reaction and say, right, off your pop. We're going to get rid of you because someone said something what you said um, in some, you know, material content that could have been posted, at, you know, a lot earlier stage. 
regarding um, your concerns, which are shared by millions upon millions of other people out there, right. millions of people regarding COVID-19 vaccines and pregnant women. And Sonia, it should not be taboo to speak about this subject. And a lot of your great supporters straight away when this happened, they're like, you what? You absolutely what? And they got the Pfizer document. They're saying this is evidential. This is backed up. So yes, if we don't go hard on this and go early, you know, to, to echo, you know, some of the government speak that has been kind of used over the past couple of years, <clears throat> Patrick Valance and the rest of them in, uh, in UCS and DHSE in, um, in, in the UK government. If we don't go hard and if we don't go early on platforms like this and say, absolutely not, you know, not only are you causing disreputation to yourself, but you're, you know, you're doing incredible damage to individuals such as yourself and like myself who rely on these particular platforms because it is a very difficult physical and digital landscape out there to do what you are doing today. And right. in the wake of corporate censorship, it's not going to get any easier because they are slowly asphyxiating us. They are slowly strangling us when it comes to the information sphere. So we really have to be alert um, regarding what's going on with some of these uh, platforms and act as early as possible and in unification the best that we can. And I think we all did it so effectively. I mean, we have people in the chat here, Trudy is one example, saying she closed her account. And I know she did because I remember her sending me the email that she'd uh, sent to buy me a coffee. And uh, But the thing is, is that I didn't just do it for me. I felt it was really important because only because of the backlash did the CEO of the company contact me. I'm mm. absolutely convinced of that. I'm sure he will deny it. But the fact is, is I, I doubt there, there will be smaller platforms, people with, with less of a platform who are being closed because of wrong speak yeah. on buy me a coffee. And I'm pretty sure that the CEO isn't contacting them. And I just want to be treated like everybody else, not given some special privileges because I'm a journalist with a platform. And that also irked me, David. But you're absolutely right. We have to stand up and be counted. And you, you hit it right on the head there. And that is the earlier, the better. Right. Because if we allow this yeah. to, to it just snowballs, doesn't it? And then we end up with this sort of impenetrable situation of what can we say? And we should never get to that. You know, a again, it goes back to what, what I talked about, actually, with James Freeman on TNT the other day. And that is with free speech obviously comes responsibility. And we're not idiots. People like you and I, we use evidence. We use you know, information. We're not just saying stuff that is designed to harm people. And that was the other thing that irked me. I'm a journalist. And I was, in relation to me saying there are questions that should be asked about pregnant women being given the COVID jab, that was based on information I had received from doctors. So, you know, go yeah. figure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I completely agree um, uh, with, with, with what you were saying. And I mean, how can they expect an independent... Uh, an investigative journalist just to kind of to remain dumb and not say anything to them about this. Like, again, going back to what I said, it is it's it's hard enough out there today on the digital and physical playing fields to uh, to, to garnish and to raise uh, support for yourself. So, you know, if you if if these sorts of organizations, if they do something like that, not only to Sonia Poulton, but um, some other independent or investigative journalists, then they expect them right. to just kind of kowtow to that and not say anything regarding when they're not on some 
fat, massive uh, payroll, well, then I think they, um, they've they got another thing coming. And I, I certainly hoped, I uh, certainly hope, I beg your pardon, that they've uh, that they've learned a couple of hard lessons. Um, One about would hope this. so. But this is, it's all, I mean, it's all too late because I mean a lot of damage um, was uh, was was done, and not everyone can bounce back so quickly. That's the thing. That is absolutely the thing. Thank you, Wayne. Wayne is saying great guests on you. Thank you. Absolutely. The aim is always to bring on great guests, and I've I'm a supporter of David, and certainly the work that he's done. David, any thoughts about what's going on at the World Economic Forum this week in in terms of sort of inner reflection to your research area? Mm, yeah, it's um, it's it's very interesting. Um, I've only watched some of it um, in part, but I thought it was very interesting, Sonia. That they they had one particular uh, Davos participant who who said yesterday. I think this has been going quite uh, quite viral over social media platforms, including X. Is that they're getting really irked by that particular platform? They're getting really irked by uh, Twitter uh, by X formerly um known as twitter so i would say um at davos this year i think there is actually quite a lot of concern um you know that's one thing that klaus schwab said some years ago is that we are moving into a more angrier world and it's like you bloody you bloody absolutely <laughs> bet on it mate you know what i mean we are really angry after the uh, after the last couple of years uh, of what we have had to uh, put up with and we're not going to forget about it. And we're going to use that anger and we're going to use that energy to uh, embolden further resistance and uh, and move forward. And I think one of the biggest things that they should realize is that we're watching you. We're watching yes, you. We're watching absolutely. you as much as we are watching these MHRA meetings and whatnot that is going on um, within our uh, within our own governments. But um, I I think the you know the overall sentiment of, of what is happening at Davos this year is one of um, I think it's one of uh, of concern and uh, and sweaty bottoms. Um, in Ooh, fact, I think interesting. Well, I think there is this. This is just my opinion on it, and maybe some other people they're going to blow that out of the water and say, no, 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 they're completely relaxed. They still feel like they're in control. They're, you know, they're on target, and they're and they're still on their way. But I, I do think that there's been a lot of things um, uh, they have not worked out. It, it, it has not worked out for these elites over the past couple of years, and it has thrust them into into the arena with even greater challenges. I mean, net zero is falling flat in its face, I believe. Oh, indeed I don't think, it is. I don't think CBDCs are going to be the uh, central banking digital currencies are going to be the absolute astounding success that they envision them to be because a lot of people are actually quite happy, they're quite comfortable, reasonably, with the digital fiat system that we currently have in place. A lot of people right. are going, hang on a second, hang about. This is not a digital pound. This is not a digital euro. This is a central banking digital currency. We're not right. falling for that marketing yes. clap trap. So Absolutely. I don't really think... Digital identification, um, you know, pegged with biometrics and AI and CBDCs, I really don't think they're going to uh, be as effective going forward into the future as they think right now. But of course, Sonia, that could change. Yes, indeed. Yes, it does, Wayne. The hour does indeed go quickly. I want to say thank you to both of my wonderful guests today, Nick Marjorison, 
David Nolan of Stockholm and Pass. Hilarious that they are rebuilding trust at WEF. But you're absolutely right, David. What we need is more of this righteous indignation and anger. I want to thank you all, wonderful people in the comments, for joining me this morning. Be back again tomorrow morning for today's news talk. It has been an absolute pleasure to be with you all. See you tomorrow, everybody. Take good care of yourself.